Welcome to the Fantasy End Podcast, where we share our love for all things fantasy and discuss the broader speculative fiction industry. Welcome to the Fantasy End. Welcome back to the Fantasy End Podcast. I am Pradik. I'm Travis. And I'm Jenya. Jenya, what are you reading right now? So I'm currently listening to an audiobook which is not fantasy. It's called Them Adventures with Extremists by John Ronson. It's a nonfiction book about this journalist, John Ronson, who goes and chats with different extremist groups. So he'll talk to um, Islamic uh, fundamentalists, but he'll also talk to Aryan extremists, um, or white supremacists, and so on. And um, so he's he's Jewish himself, so it's a little bit of a awkward situation for him a lot of the times, especially with the Aryan supremacists, for example. But the stories that he tells are just really interesting because all of these people are kind of united by the idea that they think that there is some kind of conspiracy of people controlling the world, but nobody can figure out which one it is. So some people think it's the Jews, and some people think it's actual lizard people, and he just kind of tries to go around and figure out if there is a conspiracy like this and what these people think. And it's really funny, and it's really interesting, and I really recommend it. Uh, What about you, Trav? Right now, let's see, I actually just finished reading all of the currently available Saga graphic novels. So that's written by Brian K. Vaughn and illustrated by Fiona Stables. And I really don't know why it's taken me so long to get around to this. Apparently, it's like one of the most popular graphic novels that people know about today. Uh, I just never really heard of it and never read it before. So I pretty much blew through all three books that are out right now. Uh, I think that's 54 individual uh, comic issues. Um, And man, I just I love this series. It's space fantasy in that you've got the central conflict is kind of the relationship between a man and a woman who are from warring ones from this big planet ones from the moon just outside the planet everyone on the planet uh, called landfall is like these winged people in a sci-fi world that's maybe a little bit of a dystopian kind of hard to tell and then the people on the moon wreath all have horns and they are like high fantasy people who can do magic spells and teleport and all kinds of fun stuff. And so they have a kid and that's like forbidden because they're from the warring nations. And so it's kind of the whole series follows their life on the run. And as the kid grows up and it's awesome. What about you cop? What are you reading? I am currently not really reading anything. Unless you count uh, going through the book Mongolian Language for Intermediate by Verma Khalsa, which is it really like you read, it's more a book you study. You know, just trying to improve my Mongolian language. I mean, that's good. Yeah. So for today's topic, let's talk about book awards. For example, the Hugos were just recently, the shortlist was just announced. Hey everyone, future Travis here. I'd just like to clarify, by just announced, we mean roughly seven months ago. 
So there's the Hugos and what other book awards are y'all aware of in the fantasy community? So I primarily follow the Mythopoeic Awards. Wow, how do you pronounce that? Mythopoeic. Mythopoeic. Um, anyway, it's uh, I think it was originally based on a Tolkien-related award, so something about scholarships in the Inkling studies, Inklings being the group that Tolkien and Lewis were part of. And now it is, it is just a, a an award for fantasy novels for adult literature, and also there's another section for children's literature. And I think that in general, awards are interesting if they manage to match your reading tastes. And these ones, all the books that I've read, I've not read all of them, of course, but all the books that I have read that were nominated or have won, I really enjoyed. So I try to follow it every year and see if there's anything interesting out this year that they that they decided to award something to. So the main one I follow is the Hugo Awards, uh, but I'm also, I slightly follow uh, the World Fantasy Awards and the Nebula Awards. So the World Fantasy Awards, uh, I think, are... I'm actually not sure who chooses them. (laughs) (laughs) The world. Yeah, so I know at least it's at the World Fantasy Convention, uh, which is an annual convention, and they typically limit the number of memberships to around 850, I think. Um, And so I think that the awards are chosen by those 850 attending members. And then also the... The Nebula Awards, uh, which I do know who chooses those. That's the Science Fiction and Fantasy Writers of America. So I guess both the World Fantasy and the Hugos are chosen by the people who attend their respective conventions or conferences. And the Nebula Awards are chosen by like an organization. So for me as well, I kind of follow the Hugos. I am aware of the you say it's a poet mythopoeic award because we mentioned her in the episode about um reading challenges where i mentioned her cat valenti won the 2008 mythopoeic award for adult literature for her series the orphan's tales which and kind of a throwback to that episode would also work for final book and a retelling because that's um, duology, two books, is a retelling of the A Thousand and One Arabia, um, Nights. She won that, and that's how I'm kind of aware of those awards. And then also, this is non-fantasy. However, a speculative fiction novel has won it before. The Man Booker Prize, which I'm not sure who uh, gives it out, but it's the Man Booker Prize from the Wikipedia is a literary prize awarded each year for the best original novel written in the English language and published in the UK. So literary fiction novels. However, one year, I think it was last year, the book Lincoln and the Bardo by George Saunders, which is a speculative fiction novel one. So in general, I am 
aware of different awards. However, I don't tend to follow them as much. Another one, kind of less serious, I guess, just more fun ones, would be things like the BookTube SFF Awards. There's different categories for for books, and it's announced sometime in January, and the awards are given in June. Or, for example, the, again, the Our Fantasy Stabby Awards, which has different categories, including best self-published book, best art, best book in general released that year. So, I want to, sorry, I want to say about the Man Booker Prize, um, that they, although it is technically literary fiction, they have a lot of, they have not a lot, but quite a few of these books, which kind of cross over. So I know that last year, this book, Washington Black, by Ezi Edugyan was nominated, was in the shortlist, and it involves a flying ship, kind of steampunky style, as far as I know. So that was that was there. Then Handmaid's Tale has been nominated, and so on. So it's actually I really like this award, even though again I've only read a couple books from that that have won there or have been nominated. I guess one question that I have would be. If you see that a book has won an award, are you more likely to pick it up or does it depend on what the award is? Does it hold any sway? Or if you aren't sure about reading it and you see, oh, it's won the, it's won a Hugo, does it make you more likely to pick it up? Um, at least for me, it really depends. So the main way I pick up books regardless is hearing people I know and trust their opinions on books talking about them. So a lot of times it's indirect, like say if a book is nominated for a Hugo Award, people I know will start talking about them and how much they love the book, and that makes me pick it up. So I do tend to take an interest in those books if they make it pretty far in the awards process, but it's not necessarily specifically because of that that I decide to read it. Um, So like I said, there are a couple awards which I I know that my taste aligns with the judge's taste. So again, for the misopoic ones, um, there's the, the, for example, in 2014, The Gollum and the Genie by Helen Wecker won. And then at some point in 2016, Uprooted by Naomi Novik won. And I know that in 1991 or something, uh, Thomas the Rhymer by Ellen Kushner won and so on. And so like, I know that the books that they, or they've also nominated um, The Just City by Joe Walton. And all of these books are books that I enjoyed, um, whether they won the award or not. So if I don't know what to read, then I might look through it and see if anything sticks out to me. But it's specifically because I know that I I align with this award, let's say. Um, Whereas something like the Hugo's the books that I've read from there, I think most of them I quite liked, but I don't have this feeling that it perfectly matches my taste, let's say. So that then their recommendations are less important to me. Yeah, I think that's probably the best way as a reader to treat awards in general is there's so many of them out there is to find, like you were saying, the ones where the judge's taste kind of aligns with yours. So I guess maybe just looking at past winners and seeing which ones have books that you've enjoyed, and maybe trying out some of those other books. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's the same for me. Um, what about you, Kop? Yeah. I actually, I guess for me, I wouldn't necessarily say that I'd be more likely to read a book that has an award, but I do think depending on the award, it does lend itself a bit more merit. Like if the award is just a, when the Goodreads book of the year, which is essentially just popularity, you know, maybe oh, a lot of people enjoyed this, so maybe I might enjoy this. But you know, for example, if it you know if it wins the Nebulas or it wins the, the Hugo Awards, I might end up reading the book differently. I guess, for example, mm. if I know a book has won the World Fantasy Award, then when I read it, I might try to ask myself, what about this book was so special that it was nominated, got shortlisted, and then won. So I guess I might read it more critically. Yeah, I guess that's a little unfair in a way, but I think I do it too. Especially if it won something kind of literary, then I, and not just a popularity contest, although of course those are valid, but if judges said that, yes, this is a very good book because blah, 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 then I definitely look at it a little differently. <laughs> do you read books differently if you know they won an award? It's hard to say if I approach reading a book differently just because I know it's won an award. If anything, I tend to think books that win awards are probably more literary. And what I mean by that is not necessarily literary fiction, but more they've got an underlying message to say. They rely more on themes. There's probably a heavier emphasis on the actual prose than other fantasy books possibly. And so for me, I guess maybe that makes me a little hesitant just because for me, flowery or archaic or very elaborate prose typically turns me off of books. And it also makes me worry that it's kind of impersonal uh, where you're not really diving into the characters' heads. You're exploring the mechanics of the writing rather than the mechanics of the storytelling. But that being said, I've really loved a lot of award-winning books that I've read. So... Yeah, I don't really know. It's it's a little bit hit or miss for me, but I guess recently at least when I've started finding some books that I've really enjoyed, I might be more likely to pick up an award-winning book in the first place. So with the Hugos, at the time of our recording, maybe a few weeks ago, the shortlist was announced. And have you, either before it was announced and up until this point, have any of us read any of the books or stories that have been shortlisted? Wait, let me find the... Um, you mean you haven't memorized it? The list. Uh, <laughs> we also have it on our blog. <laughs> yeah, did we ever publish that? <laughs> we did. Don't tell anyone, I'm also looking at the list. Ah, no. Nope, that's not it. Um... So, while you guys are looking... This this is considered the 2019 Hugo's. Ah, there it is. Yeah, April 11th. Yeah. Let's see. I've read... Oh, I've read Spinning Silver and Trail of Lightning. Spinning Silver by Naomi Novik and Trail of Lightning by Rebecca Roanhorse from the best novels. And I think that's about it, except I read a couple of the short stories as well. Yeah. So looking at the list now, I've read The Calculating Stars by Mary Robinette Cowell and Record of a Spaceborn Few by Becky Chambers. Both are science fiction, and 
I actually really loved both of them. I probably liked The Calculating Stars a little bit more, but they're both great books. Actually, the entire list, I feel like, for best novel this year with the Hugos is a really strong list. Mm-hmm. What about the other categories? In the other categories, I've actually been trying to read through all of the shorter fiction. So I've read all six of the short story nominees and one, two, three, four, five. And I've read all six of the novelette nominees as well. And so I'd probably say some really standout ones for me in that are one actually for short stories that I think you might like, Jen, is uh, Mm -hmm. The Tale of the Three Beautiful Raptor Sisters and the Prince Who Is Made of Meat by Brooke Bolander. Um, Mm -hmm. So I don't know. Have you read that story? No, I've only read Stet and The Secret Lives of the Nine Negro Teeth of George Washington. Okay. Uh, But both of those I really liked. So if that's the level that that's on for best short story, then I'm excited for the other one. Yeah, so at least, I guess, outside of the ones you mentioned, the two that really stood out to me, there's that the tale of the three beautiful raptor sisters, which is kind of fairy tale-esque in a sense. It's about the main point of view characters alternate between one of the three raptors. And so you kind of get like this animal point of view, almost like a black beauty or white fang or something of that sense but you know a velociraptor (laughs) and then then also from a princess who is kind of destined to marry this prince who's a bit of a jerk full of himself and has so little concept of danger that when he finds himself stuck on his own in the middle of a forest with these three raptors surrounding him He shows no fear because he has no concept of fear. He's never had to be afraid of anything before. And that confuses the raptors who are only used to prey being afraid of them. So it's kind of the story of one of the raptor sisters following the prince back to his home and being introduced to that world. Really interesting. interesting. I, I really recommend it. It kind of has like some Baba Yaga references in it. I say with very little knowledge of Baba Yaga, but based on what you've told me before, (laughs) Jen, uh, I recognized a few elements uh, from that story. (laughs) Yes, um, Baba Yaga, but yeah. (laughs) Okay, yes, so Um, very little familiarity with it, obviously. (laughs) No, yeah. Um, Yeah, that sounds really good. Okay, I'll open it and read it once we're finished here, or if it gets very boring. Uh, Oh, yeah, for the best related work, I think it's really cool that the Archive of Our Own, which is a fan fiction site, has been nominated. I'm really excited to see whether it'll win. Okay, again, spoiler alert, it did. Because I just think it's really interesting that now there is this kind of acceptance, I guess, of fan fiction, because fan fiction has and fan arts has been such a big part of the fandom community in general. But it's, I think, still looked down upon a little bit by people, or quite a bit by some people. And so I think it's really cool that they are honoring it in this way, even though I guess there is some kind of uh, discussion about whether they're honoring the actual fiction part of it, or whether they're honoring the more the site itself, because the site itself has some very interesting and kind of complex tagging lists. And so it's quite cool if they're honoring even that side of it. But I don't really understand which side they're going for. <laughs> but regardless. Actually, that means that Naomi Novik has been um, nominated twice, I guess, because she is one of the founders of Archive of Our Own. Going through the list right now, 
I have read Space Opera by Kat Valenti, obviously. And the best novella I've read, Beneath the Sugar Sky by Seanan McGuire. And unpopular opinion. That is, I've not read the fourth book in the series, but Beneath the Sugar Sky is my personal favorite. I've read The Thing About Ghost Stories by Naomi Kritzer, and also When We Were Starless by Simone Heller. I thought The Thing About Ghost Stories was, it was okay. It was about this woman who goes around and records different ghost stories. And it's an entertaining read, and it is a thought-provoking one. But for me, it was just an average. But I do think it's still worth checking out. And also, I read When We Were Starless by Simone Heller, which has really good prose. And it's about this world where there's a society. And I, if I read it correctly, I think there are no stars anymore. And it's about this one character who meets another kind of machine AI and just how she gets along in this world. And a really good standout prose. Yeah, I've also read When We Were Starless, and I I also really loved it. One thing I want to say is it impressed me with having the steepest learning curve for world building in any kind of short (laughs) fiction I've ever read. Because you're thrown into this world where you don't know if the characters are human or not. You don't know if you're on Earth or not. You don't really know what's happening. And there's a bunch of terminology that doesn't exist in real life. And you kind of have to pick it up through yeah. context clues. I think it's a it's one of those stories where, again, talking about the prose, I think it lends itself to this, is even though it's short, it's better to take your time with it. Yeah, definitely. I've not read any of the short stories. I've read one book in the Wayfarers series by Becky Chambers. Let's talk about the best dramatic presentation long form, uh, which I guess is basically best movies. <laughs> Hold on. Before we go on, uh, can I say a little bit more about short story and novelette? Oh, yeah. Sorry. Okay. So for short stories, I guess my absolute favorite of the bunch was A Witch's Guide to Escape, a practical compendium of portal fantasies by Alex E. Harrow. And we often talk a lot in people who read speculative fiction about escapism being potentially one of the reasons why we read at some point in our lives. And so kind of this ability to escape the real world and lose yourself in something different. And so this is kind of a literal interpretation of that, where you've got this magical librarian trying to find the perfect book for a young, troubled teen. And it's really beautiful. It's entirely slice of life. Not much action happens, but it's really emotional. And I feel like it was really meta as well for people who enjoy reading. Look, I don't want to brag, but it did win the Hugo. And then for novelettes, my absolute favorite was If At First You Don't Succeed, Try, Try Again by Zen Cho. Hopefully I'm pronouncing the name correctly. And that's about sort of, it, it's not exactly a dragon. There is, I think the creature is called an Amugi and they're an immortal creature who every thousand years, they get a chance to ascend to the heavens and become a dragon. Um, and so it's about this creature trying again and again and failing to actually become a dragon. That was interesting to me, but then the story kind of switches about a third of the way in 
and the character has given up on becoming a dragon and just lives life as a normal human being. And so you got like this really beautiful slice of life romance and growing old together story that I really enjoyed. I cried a little, I laughed a little, I was really emotional. So I really loved that story. And I'm not the only one that loved that story because this did end up winning the Hugo Award for Best Novelette. There's a reason why I say that I kind of identify with the Hugo Awards more than most other awards. I guess for the other awards, other categories, I should say, we have the best written works. However, they do have other things. And Jenya, you mentioned a bit about best related work. The website is an archive of our own. AO3. Yeah, yeah. And then there's also, they say, best dramatic presentation or best movie, uh, long form. So I've seen Black Panther, and that's it. I've seen Annihilation, Avengers, Black Panther. Sorry to bother you in Spider-Man. I've only not seen A Quiet Place. <laughs> you guys um, haven't seen A Quiet the... Place? Oh, it's so good. A Quiet Place is so good. Is it the one where it's kind of like bird box, but it's like you can't talk instead of not being able to see? Yes. And it's also significantly better than bird box, in my opinion. Okay. <laughs> but it's a horror movie, right? Kind of. Horror is one of those genres I don't really actually know how to define it. I'd say <laughs> mostly yes, but the story focuses kind of almost entirely around the small family and their relationships with each other in the world more than the fear and the monsters. I mean, that's obviously mm -hmm. a very large part of it, but the relationships were the biggest part, and that's what I really liked. Yeah. I should check it out then. Have you seen any of the other ones? I haven't seen Annihilation, but I read the book. I'm curious to see how that holds up. I've seen Avengers Infinity War. I really liked it, but I'm also not the biggest Marvel fan, so I thought it was great, but take that as you will. I've seen Black Panther, which I really enjoyed. Quiet Place, I loved. I haven't seen Sorry to Bother You, and then I've seen Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. I actually just watched it like last week for the first time. So a little late to the party on that, but it was amazing. <laughs> yeah, I think that Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse should win because it was very, very good. And the art style is something that I'd like to see more, more films do. But I think Sorry to Bother You was like the most out there, weirdest, what the actual fuck is going on movie I've seen in a while. And I really like movies like that. So I really recommend anyone who hasn't seen it yet to watch it and to not to read anything much about it because partway through the movie, it takes a, a fun turn, I guess you could say. Um, I will say that it's a very, like the, the author, the director has a very clear message that he wants to send. And it is not a, it is not a movie that makes you go, but I wonder, there are both sides to the story, blah, blah, blah. No, the author has a message. That message is basically communism, and, and the movie goes for it. But so it's that's very why good. you like it. <laughs> well, he recommended it to me, so I think it's his fault, really. But um, no, it's, it's, it's genuinely very weird and good, yeah. But probably Spider-Man, I think it will win, and I think it really deserves it. I'm not saying it's awful that we are releasing this episode seven months after we recorded it but wouldn't it be crazy if into the spider-verse won the hugo award as well just crazy it did <laughs>
of the other movies, Annihilation is also a very strange movie, which I quite enjoyed. It's with Natalie Portman, who I think does a very good job there. I haven't read the book, and I think it's quite different or relatively different. You you have to kind of go in knowing that it is not a horror movie. It is definitely more of a psychological sort of, not even a thriller, just exploration, basically. Um, so it's very much more theme-based than scare-based, which, uh, for example, the people I was watching it with, my friends, they, they watched the trailer and they thought we we're going to be very scared. So they are very disappointed and I was intrigued. <laughs> so it's something you have to think about. Um, yeah, Infinity War was fun. Black Panther was very fun, very pretty, uh, really bright colors. And yeah, a quiet place I haven't seen. Has anybody seen the short movies? I haven't or seen the, a single one. Or, no, it's not short movies, is it? It's it's TV series? I think it's anything that falls under a certain time frame. I think maybe 90 minutes. Uh, so mm. typically TV episodes, but short yeah. movies could qualify. Uh, for example, one interesting nominee, I think, is Dirty Computer by Janelle Monet. I haven't seen it, but I think it's essentially a... It's called the full title is Dirty Computer and Emotional Story. Let me say just to make sure. Janelle Monet, Dirty Computer. And I think it's about all the songs on her that same album, the the album of the same name, um, a film. So I think it's pretty interesting that it was nominated. I have not listen to it or seen it but i've heard really good things and this isn't part of the hugos but i know another long form i don't want to say long form music video because it's more than that death punks you know film interstellar 5555 yeah yeah i thought you were gonna say that it's so good it's so great it's like a cartoon basically um, and it's, yeah, I, I really enjoyed that film. I was thinking of rewatching it recently. Um, it's basically about some aliens who become a band when they're taken to Earth, <laughs> right? Yeah, it's, it's fun. You know, I'm looking at the Wikipedia of it, and it says it's a visual realization of their album Discovery. So I think Dirty Computer, the film, could be called a visual realization of her album, Dirty Computer, by Janelle Monet. Let's see, do we have any last thoughts or final words about Book of Words or the Hugos? I will say at least I really enjoy that the Hugos have a category for best fan cast, which I think typically means best podcast. So... There's one, two, three, four, five, six nominees this year, and I've tried out all of them, some ones that stand out to me. So Be the Serpent, which is hosted, I think, by three fantasy writers, uh, Alexandra Rowland, Freya Marsk, and Jennifer Mace. That's a really interesting podcast that actually, Genia, I think you would enjoy because a lot of times they discuss fan fiction. They're all very huge fans of fan fiction, and they'll dive deep into like different works and discuss them around a theme, talk about, like, say they'll have a time travel episode, and I think two out of their three works they covered were fan oh, fiction. Awesome. Um, so that's really interesting. Uh, 
the Code Street podcast uh, by, I hope I'm saying that right, and it's not Code Street, there's two O's, by Jonathan Strahan and Gary K. Wolf. So both of those guys are incredibly, incredibly knowledgeable in science fiction particularly, but also fantasy. Um, So it's interesting to hear their thoughts on the genre. Let's see what else. Our opinions are correct. The only host I recognize is Charlie Jane Anders. The other one is Annalie Newitz, and they kind of just pick a topic and talk about it each episode, but they have some really fascinating insights into the industry uh, and writing in general. And then also the Skiffy and Fanny show, and they cover a lot. I think they actually have multiple sub shows within them. So they do a lot of author interviews. They do a lot of, they have a whole series now talking about works in translation that were originally written in other languages. Um, and they're really interesting as well. So very happy that podcasts is a category in the Hugo Awards. And a lot of the shows there are really interesting. I wanted to, me- I wanted to ask you guys a question about awards more generally. Do you prefer awards which are like by voting? So basically big popularity contests, like the Goodreads Awards, for example, or awards which are by a panel of judges? I prefer panel of judges, mostly because the popularity ones, I know because I've done this before with the Goodreads Awards, if you're voting, you probably only know like one or two books on the list and have maybe only read one of them. And so that's what you vote for. So you tend to get just whatever has the most Goodreads reviews or whatever sold the best that year. And the ones that have a panel of judges, typically most people voting have read multiple books on the ballot and make a more nuanced decision than just picking the only one they've heard of. Yeah. Uh, That's my personal opinion. I agree. Yeah, I think I'm the same, which is a little, I don't know. I don't know. Is that elitist of us? (laughs) I don't think it's elitist. I think we just read enough that the Goodreads Awards and other like really just popularity contests, we've all kind of read them before or I don't know. I, I like discovering newer books and I feel like the ones voted on by a panel of judges provide that mm-hmm. more. Um, so that's actually probably the most important difference for me is, yeah. I will say about the um, ones that are more the popularity, anyone can vote on them. For example, the Goodreads Awards or the R Fantasy Stabby Awards or the Booktube SFF Awards. There is a sense of excitement whenever your favorite book ends up getting nominated for that. Where, oh, well, you know, this book that I really liked, other people also really liked it. And so there's kind of that sense of community where you can more easily talk about it with other people. Whereas with the, for example, the Hugos or the Man Booker Prize or the Nebula Awards, maybe these are books that definitely have a lot of value and merit, but perhaps haven't been read, unfortunately, by a lot of people. However, that being said, I guess I do prefer the ones given out by a panel of judges who are more likely to have read all of the books in their category. Well, the Hugos are technically popularity-based as well, aren't they? Or is there is it half-half? Because I know people can vote on them. It, it's a popularity if you're a registered voter, I think. So I think 
it's filtered by you have to pay a certain amount of money or something like yeah, that. Yeah, so I, I ended up actually being able to vote this year. I didn't pay anything. A friend of ours, Yasser, had gotten a second thing also through some coincidence, blah, blah, blah. Um, and he gave it to me. So now actually I can vote on the Hugos and I have no idea what to vote for. Maybe I should vote for sorry to bother you. Um, <laughs> but it's it's kind of, I guess maybe it's a little odd, isn't it? Because you're kind of filtering people who are very keen, but at the same time, it's still more of a popularity thing. So I know that I'm probably not going to read all of the best novels before I vote. Let's put it like that. I don't know. It's kind of a, maybe it's, it's, it's a bit of a strange mix for the Hugos. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I personally also prefer it when it's judges because I guess I do trust judges, which maybe I shouldn't, but I do. Well, I think it's also like in additional reasons, what you were saying before, you found the Mythopoic Awards matched your taste. Uh, if it's just a popularity, it's just going to be a combination of everyone's taste and you kind of lose that specific quality that you're looking for. So if there's some kind of filtering or judging or something, you might be able to find an award that aligns with your interests more. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah. Yeah, so I guess altogether we discovered that we don't really care about the awards that much, but we still are happy when our favorite books are nominated for them. <laughs> Is that about the summary? <laughs> yeah. More or less, yeah. I'm interested in awards, but I don't think they're the be-all, end-all uh, mark of quality. And I think there's plenty of other ways to find great books. Yeah. So, again, we will turn the question to you, our listeners. What do you think about book awards and awards in general? Do you like them? Do they hold any sway over... If you will pick a book up or how you will read the book, tell us your thoughts. So, until next time, goodbye.